everybody to cover b we are here with another real extra cue the obligatory t says real extra cool yeah we are getting <laughs> really extra with some Very really extra extra cosmic weirdos uh from the minds of jack kirby they are the eternals uh this movie i don't really know how we're gonna talk about it without it being kind of spoilery here and there. Yeah. Uh, so we'll do kind of first thoughts and then we'll dive into more nitpickery stuff. Uh, for those who don't know, the Eternals are a race of cosmic eternal beings that were created by the Celestials uh, to fight against deviants and stuff. Uh, <laughs> they are eternal. They don't die for whatever reason. Uh, in this particular movie, we see them mainly in the current day. They are reconvening, getting the band back together, as it were, uh, because the deviants have respawned and they need to figure out what's going on with that. And it's all weird and it's uncovering a mystery and stuff like that. Uh, for the most part, if you haven't seen, uh, this movie is not doing as well as other Marvel movies tend to do in uh the reviews for good reason uh i don't think it was as bad as some people have painted it to be uh and i'll get as to why i think a lot of people are treating this a bit more harshly uh later but i think it was good overall it definitely wasn't the strongest showing from marvel but it was a better kind of new strange team attempt than the Inhumans was, which is nice because maybe we'll see more of the Eternals going forward. T, initial thoughts. Initial thoughts. I really liked the character development. It was a beautiful movie. Um, I thought there were some pacing issues. Maybe a little bit of tonal issues. And I, it, it's weird. You know, the Eternals themselves are weird mm -hmm. and they're already having to manipulate what the Eternals are anyway because we've already had Thanos and Thanos has already been explained one way so they have to kind of explain the Eternals in a different way mm -hmm. without being fully aligned with Thanos which in and of itself is kind of weird and confusing I thought with the bizarreness that are the Eternals, they did a good job with what they had. Um, I definitely don't think there's a reason for it to be quite as bombed as it's being. I would not be surprised if a lot of the bombing that's been happening is explicitly because of some choices in casting and sexuality yes. and presentation so, of the characters. Yeah, there definitely is an element of the review scores online wherein this movie's being review bombed because it's Marvel's first the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first openly gay kiss. Yep. On screen. Yep. And I think technically openly gay character because I think 
I can't think of any in the MCU. So at least hero, because they definitely they had the like one support group guy, but he literally was just sort of like, oh gay yeah, he was and like passing. That is fair. Okay, so I guess that was first openly gay character because he was like, I date went on a date with this dude. It's one of the Russo brothers. I yeah, but it wasn't yeah. like a hero. Yeah, yeah. and it so, was very kind of like throwaway. So flippant. big deal, and you know that has caused this movie to be removed from theaters in Gulf countries. Is big news that's going around, and you know obviously people are talking down about this movie and being mad about it because good lord, two people loving each other is such a threat. Oh no. Oh jeez. Uh, can't love so, yes, one another. There is an element to this, but I'm I was more talking about I'm gonna get into why I think like legitimate reviewers are being I agree with that. Yeah. This. So but we'll talk about that. Yeah, later. there's definitely that like I said, there are some issues, but I don't think it's necessarily as bad as being displayed. Um there's a few scenes of flashbacks where it takes place in um distant, distant past periods um babylon macedonia that sort of thing Mm -hmm. i don't i didn't love the depictions of the past yeah every time i thought it was a little weird it was totally weird um but i actually thought all of the present day stuff by and large was pretty good yeah so i'm going to ramble on about my three major issues with this movie and we're going to form the discussion around that because i'm just now wading out of the waters of a panic attack and if i don't do it this way i'm not going to be able to have my thoughts together cool everyone at home good good sweet thumbs Thumbs up up all around (laughs) nice um (laughs) cool this is just how we have to do it when you're suffering from severe anxiety that you can't help uh okay so my biggest issue spins off of what T was just talking about this movie is very tonally kind of all over the place very distracting. so at times it feels like it's falling into the standard marvel formula of how dialogue and character interactions are supposed to work mm-hmm. uh at other times so it feels very homey but very samey uh at times it feels like it's taking itself very seriously more along more akin to like thor the dark world and even points of doctor strange where it's just like this is the world. Deal with it. And in my opinion, those are some of the stronger tones of this movie. Uh, and then at other points, it feels specifically in the Babylon section. It feels like it's taking itself seriously, but kind of in the tonal sense that like a CW show or like a, you know, like various. It, it felt very TV kind of cheese. TVYA. Yeah. (laughs) And it was like just how the characters interacted and the dialogue they chose and like the things they said to each other felt very like something you would see on like USA or CW or something like that. It, it, it was, it was bizarre because it was, it was very, now to be fair, (laughs) it's gotta be hard to hammer down a tone for this particular cast of characters because this movie is very dense, and I've seen a lot of reviews that were kind of getting on its case for being so dense, but it kind of has to be. Yeah. I don't know if Chloe Zhao and the other writers really handled the 
the denseness enough, like in in the yeah. right way. It opens with a text scrawl of like what the Eternals are <laughs> to complete and, silence. Yeah, by the way, to nothing. And in my opinion, <laughs> it would have been better to open the movie with action. And then cut to Babylon and you could have done all the Babylonian stuff or at least like a big chunk of it right there and have Sprite telling the story of the Eternals and have that be an organic way that the audience gets used. Because we're not going to immediately judge why a bunch of super people are running around with cavemen fighting these weird creatures immediately. If it's never explained, then we'll have a problem. But it doesn't have to be a text scroll right up front being like, this is what the Eternals are. You could have easily worked that in a few minutes into the movie and had it be a part of the movie. And that's the big problem is that there's a lot of areas of this movie that are just like characters having exposition. And that that's kind of my second problem is that I feel like I don't think they handled the denseness of getting people used to this group very well yeah it definitely takes some time i think part of in my opinion part of the problem of the tonality of the movie being so disjunct is that you've got two very different voices combating against each other and that is the voice of chloe Zhao, who makes typically more dramatic artistic Mm-hmm. Very vision, visually focused, beautiful, grand films. Yeah. And then you've got Marvel producers that tried to make Doctor Strange into Iron Man in his first movie. Like, yeah. you have to follow a certain formula. You have to have certain types of characters. You have to have certain types of dialogue. There are certain expectations within a Marvel movie. Yeah. And it's like, she was trying to have one movie, which was more tonally serious, more tonally art film. You know, there were some really cool, beautiful shots of like, you know, time passing in the sky and like, there's a love scene which never happens in a Marvel movie and like stuff like that. Like yeah. there's stuff like that that she tried to introduce. And I think in the instances when they kind of let her control her own movie, it worked better. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that same way, it was like what you're saying with here, try to understand the Eternals off the bat, but also without any like preface. Yeah. It was like the scroll would have made sense if the whole film was more like artistic and like focused on that and focused on these like striking visuals because then it would have felt very like sci-fi kind of like you're in this world and you just sort of deal with it. Whereas it was like immediately following that you kind of get dumped into a more like we're looking at cell phones and being silly and making quippy humor and Kit yeah. Harrington's being Kit Harrington. And you're like, yeah. I, where, ha, what? And it, it's jarring. It's yeah. very jarring. Yeah. Uh, I think the other big, like the final big, 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 big <laughs> issue that this movie had, um, story-wise, it worked. Like, in my opinion, I, I dug the story. It wasn't anything too overly complex. It got to do a lot of traveling and a lot of changes of scenes and stuff like that. Uh, but it was all about, like, bringing a family together and, like, the dangers of blind faith and stuff like that. Yeah. There, there were a lot of messages and a lot of stories to be told in this. Um, and one of the moments where it really, like, one of the ways this movie really, really shines, in my opinion, is that it 
it did not falter at making all the characters easy for the audience to understand. Mm -hmm. We really grasp who they are. They feel like multidimensional alive characters. Absolutely. Um, you know, they're given different moments to be different levels of vulnerable and, you know, guarded. Uh, for the most part, all of them are. And they have their own personal relationships and their own personal way of expressing love and anger. Like, they all feel like alive characters. And that's tough to do in a team movie when you're like, here you go. And, and you don't know any of the team starting out. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you flash back to the first Suicide Squad movie, that was the biggest problem it had was yep. that it spent too much time on certain characters and left other characters being kind of cardboard cutouts in the background. It's like, why are they there? And it was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, why why do these guys exist? Um, and I don't think this one had this problem. I have seen some reviewers saying it does, but I highly disagree. I think, yeah. I think, and I think that's part of where Chloe Zhao's experience really shines through in her ability to kind of make character pieces and get emotive. Agreed. Um, you know, with her various experiences. But uh, the downside to this is that on the more superhero-y action movie side, it does falter because it has a very serious bad guy problem. Yeah. In that we're literally presented with one bad guy for the first and second act of the movie. And then that bad guy, after going through an extreme transition at the end of the second act, is effectively gone from the third act and doesn't show up until a few minutes before the very end. Like the very immediate climax. Yeah. And <laughs> then their purpose for being there and their motivations and everything is really just out of whack. And it's very muddy. we're given a different antagonist and I'll keep that hush hush as not to spoil, but <laughs> we're given a different antagonist there in like the beginning of the third act starts to unwind that this person is an antagonist and the original one we thought was going to be like the Ultron of this movie shows up towards the very end to have like one kind of bottled conflict and then be gone. Yeah. And it's, it's it was weird. bizarre and I don't really understand their purpose it we talked about it after the movie immediately that they kind of felt like that was originally supposed to be the villain and then they wanted this other thing to happen but then they were like well we already did some cgi and stuff on this so let's work it in somehow you know what i mean yeah and it just like i don't know it was it was there were ways to fix it where you could have made the main antagonist like who turned out to be the main antagonist just be the antagonist and have that work like you could have made a story around that yeah uh in various different ways but for whatever reason they just hit us with this left field change out of nowhere and it really just disjunct the whole thing like yeah. it just disconnected the whole it felt like story. a weird poor editing choice yeah, yeah. for a lot of the third act like i understand the value in the like quick ball change of the villains but mm -hmm. What it ended up doing, instead of giving purpose to both villains, it just sort of, like, nullified and made the, an original villain very confusing. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand why they're there. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't think they know what they're doing. It's just, like, what is the purpose? Yeah. And, uh, you know, beyond that, 
there are some other quibbles that I have. There were some pacing issues from time to time. I think a lot of the story, like the, I think a lot of it is gummed up towards the end of the story. Yeah. Like a lot of the major gummage happens like way towards the end when it starts to become the third act is just clumsy. It's, it's kind of clumsy in general. It's, it's a lot of like, I have this plan. Oops, one person did one thing, so now that plan doesn't work. Okay, well, you could do this. Oops, one person did one thing, and now that doesn't work. So we're going to do this. Oops, one person did one thing, so now that's not going to work. And it's like a lot of, it's a series of that. Yeah. Um, And then the pacing throughout the movie is complicated sometimes, by the amount of traveling around we do. Yeah, you're all like there's a lot and I get it that's the point of the movie. Um but you know if you're gonna have a road trip movie, just have it be a road trip movie instead of a road destination movie. So it gets a little travel movie. It's a little junky (laughs) because they have to like we're here now and look, we're introducing this person in the modern world and now we're explaining to them what happened and now we're all like Talking about the good old days. Whoops, look at the time. Better have some CGI fights. That's done. Anyway, next location. And, like, props to Chloe Zhao for demanding that they do, like, real locations and not just, like, green screens and stuff. But at the same time, that, like, causes a lot of really disjunct stuff. And admittedly, some of the locations were a little, like... (laughs) There was, like, a random gross rainy farm out in North Dakota. And there was, like a random gross steamy desert in Australia. And it was, there was, it was like, yeah, here's some rocks. It was weird too, because like, I actually felt like the pacing as they were doing the, like get the family back together sequences made sense. And I thought the pacing there was decent because I felt like it's how it gave, how she was able to give all of the characters their own level of development and their own level of like individuality. And it made you appreciate all these characters. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was probably the best paced part of the movie. Mm -hmm. I felt like all of the like time back and like travel back in time scenes Mm -hmm. were really slow. And And all the times they were talking about the romance, like I I love a good romance thing, but they also, because she kind of leaned into the artisticness of it felt really slow. And then the last act was like way too fast and way too all over the place and like too much happened at once and you didn't you didn't absorb anything. Yeah, and there was a whole lot of guns not being shown on certain things <laughs> and stuff. So it it was it was kind of a clumsy third act. I think the third act yeah. was where it really really faltered. A lot of the problems I mentioned really kind of coalesce in the third act. Yeah. Uh, or final act, I guess it doesn't have to be three acts. It could be four acts. Who knows? I don't like to count an axe, but in like the final <laughs> bit of this movie, it really starts to like kind of crumble a bit and yeah. becomes a weaker movie. Um, that said, it was still good. I enjoyed it. I thought the chemistry among the Eternals themselves were really good. Yes. I have seen reviewers kind of giving uh, Jimma Chan and Richard Madden, guff for not being strong enough to really be the leads of this movie but i don't agree with that i think um and it maybe just comes out of my knowledge of the comics while i don't think jimma chan was as strong of a personality as cersei tends to be in the comics i still think she worked as the character um icarus was kind of stoic and gruff and broody and that works for icarus so it's like 
I get it. You know, yeah. I'm here for it. I have seen reviewers being like, it should have been any of the other characters leading this thing. But I think those reviewers just only appreciate a character if they're funny. You yeah. Know? And yeah. And I think part of what made... makes you part of the problem. Reviewers Cough. just saying, uh, I think one of the things I liked about Gemma Chan leading the movie was that she's not your standard front running hero. And I feel yeah. like that was such a huge part of the plot too, yeah. is that, Nobody expected Cersei to be the de facto leader. Yeah. Like... Everybody wanted it to be Icarus. Everyone expected it to yeah. be Icarus, and he's kind of pissed off that it's not him. Yeah. And so it's like, that's part of it. And I thought it was nice, because it gives character development to what you would almost consider a, like, um, introverted-esque type of care like, mm-hmm. personality. Like, somebody who's not necessarily the, like, take charge, take lead, big bad you know, grr, I'm in the front. I, I like to do all the damage. Like yeah. it doesn't always have to be a barbarian at the front. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, it, you know, the action wasn't as strong as we've had in the past. We had to have big CGI fights and that's fine. The powers were really cool. And mm-hmm. the, the, you know, representation of their powers and honestly, the choreography of the big fights in the like historical segments was really, really good. Um, the, deviant fights later on in like the modern day not as good but there's still a few modern day fights particularly in that final bit uh that were pretty well, cool well done and cool to see and it was a unique set of powers that we haven't really seen represented so it was cool to see those represented yeah. and then again you know the flavor of this movie really really shines in the eternals themselves as people and i think that says a lot to the movie and makes it a lot more worthwhile than the muddied kind of ending uh, and the muddied kind of wrap up does. It also introduces a lot of cool things. If you're more, you know, if you're the type of person that likes lore stuff in the MCU, it introduces some really cool lore bits Mm -hmm. uh, and really shapes the MCU going forward. So that's really, really neat. I do think, like I said early on, I do think a lot of reviewers are being extra harsh on this movie. And I think that's a twofold kind of problem. Um, I think I think the reviewers, in my opinion, a lot of reviewers are holding really high expectations of this movie for one of two reasons. I think the first reason is just that, honestly, we haven't had like a really hardcore Marvel team movie in a long time yeah. since Endgame. You right. know, we had Endgame... And then it was like Black Widow was fine. Shang-Chi really good. And I think, you know, the fact that the balance of Shang-Chi and Black Widow coming out, Black Widow was kind of just fine. Shang-Chi was amazing. I think that's made people be a little bit more kind of like scrutinizing, scrutinizing on like focused in on this movie hoping that it'll blast out another Shang-Chi. And to be fair, a lot of the marketing about this movie was focused around, you know, its inclusivity and the diversity of the cast. And Shang-Chi had a lot of, you know, similar kind of marketing about it. Like, look at, you know, the diversity here. And look, we're going for, we're putting an Asian person in an Asian superhero and look at it, new cultures, new cultures being represented. And I think a lot of people went in expecting this to also be the bomb. And when it was kind of just okay, they 
got frustrated. I also think there's a lot of scrupulation, (laughs) whatever the hell that word is. I think there's a lot of people being overly picky and finicky about this movie because of Chloe Zhao. Mm -hmm. Having an Academy Award winning director who she won the award, right, for Nomadland. Um, On this movie, I think people, there are reviewers that went in hoping it would break out of the Marvel formula more. Yeah. And while it did a lot, it still kind of fell into a lot of the formulaic steps. Producers are going to produce, um, man. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that aggravated people. That said, I think those people are naive to expect that to begin with. In fact, I read one review from BBC Culture that basically out and out said that's what they expected. Like, you got Chloe Zhao. We need to get a Chloe Zhao movie, not a Marvel movie. And it's like, that's kind of on you for expecting yeah, that. Yeah, that's like, not I hate how to this works. That. Like, that's like going into a Disney princess movie and expecting it to not fall into the standard steps that a Disney princess movie yeah. does. It's gonna. Yeah. If you go in expecting it and then you're pissed off afterwards, like... That's on you. That's on you. So I, I think, honestly, the name recognition of Chloe Zhao, which is unfair because she did a really good job with did this a good movie job. Um, overall... But I think a lot of the big panning of this movie is happening because people wanted, I guess, like Nomad Land with space powers, and they didn't get that. They got a Marvel movie with a little bit more heart and an interesting take on the human side of superheroes. And they were like, what the hell? What do I do with this? And now they're angry. I think another thing that people could have been weirdly aggressive about and i I actually want to give a shout out in terms of this is that this is one of the first marvel movies that comes in with probably one of the biggest most name recognizable stars ever to be in the marvel universe um angelina jolie's a big deal Mm. she's a big deal and i i know that people are like oh but what about like you know we've got robert Doug jr and chris hemsworth and when they came into the marvel universe mm-hmm. they were not that big of a deal yeah this this franchise saved rdj's career and it introduced chris hemsworth to the majority of people yeah. and before being captain america people knew chris evans as like the guy from not another teen movie <laughs> yeah. like you yeah. gotta think how much those people became stars because of these movies and not the other way around. And Angelina Jolie is not like that. Angelina Jolie came into this movie as Angelina Jolie, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's not the primary star of this movie. She is not the primary face. In fact, one of the things I found so impressive is that despite being a big name, a big presence, one of the most senior members of the cast, she is very humble and subdues herself so well into her role that she's never overwhelming in a scene. Mm -hmm. She beautifully fits into her place. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she's not a scene stealer. She's not a show grabber. She just like, she exists as her character. She does a great job of her character. And then she just like moves on her merry way. And I just... I think that's really, really cool for someone with such star power like Angelina Jolie to come into this and not immediately be like, I need to be the front. I need to be the this. Yeah, I need to be it that. Been, she just sort of like, hey, this is my role. I'm it would have been it. all well and good to make her the lead, but yeah. like, she wasn't and no. she didn't need to be. She did a great job. No, in that she role. did excellent. 
excellent. Fantastic. I mean, yeah. she easily could have been cast as Cersei. Yeah. But she wasn't. Thena, admittedly, was my favorite character. Same. Of, Same. Know, I thought they did Thena such a good and then job. Fastos. Such a good job. But I just, I wanted to shout out to Angelina Jolie for being able to, like, recognize a scene and know your place in it. Well, and and admittedly, not... Salma Hayek, too. Yeah, was exactly. hardly in this movie. Yeah, yeah she's barely <laughs> like, there. Yeah. Um, but... That being said, I could see a lot of people and a lot of reviewers being like, you have Angelina Jolie in this movie and you didn't use her. That's you know what I mean? And it's like... That's admittedly... I, I have seen quite a few <laughs> reviews that are like... That have made comment about... Again, Jim Chan and... Uh, I forgot Icarus's name already and I'm not looking at it. Uh, you know, Cersei and Icarus were fairly muted roles. They weren't very emotive. Richard Madden... Um, they're not super boisterous. They aren't very boisterous, but they're not really that kind of character in no. in the comics either. Um, my knowledge of it is that Cersei is a little bit more femme fatale in the comics than she was in this, but it's fine. I'm fine with that. Like, yeah. You can make her a little bit more like girl next door-ish. That's cool. Yeah. I'm here for it. But, I support you know, it. it I think the biggest takeaway from this is that these are some of the most, and this speaks to Chloe Zhao's, what she brings to this territory, is it's it's ironic that these are simultaneously the least human and most human superheroes that we've had out of the MCU. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, when you, absolutely. when you look at Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, he's great in that role and he kills that role, but nobody's actually like that. No. Nobody exists like that. No. Nobody does. Except Robert Downey Jr. in real life, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> Chris Evans, Captain America, like, you know, nobody's actually He's like not that. relatable. Nobody's, He's not. Nobody's perfect like that. And, you know, you get a lot of that in these characters. And it's often the, like, side characters. And these side characters are now becoming a bit more, like... Front main characters because it's like your falcons and your black widows and ant-mans ant-mans that tend to be the more relatable kind of realistic characters but here we have synthetic space beings from beyond that are seven thousand years old created by <laughs> things that were here at the big bang so that they can cull the tide of horrible deviants and they're like some of the most realistic people there's an instance where uh cersei everybody's <clears throat> like you have to tell us what to do and she has basically a panic attack and it's like i don't know yeah. i don't know i don't yeah. know what you want me to do i know yeah. i'm supposed to lead i don't know how to lead that's not my job and like panics and i looked at it and i was like i've been there yeah and they just you know they <laughs> like relatable they like what they like they believe what they believe they want what they want it's it's they nothing. disagree yeah and they disagree and it's you know I really liked that. I liked, I really liked the characters. And honestly, one of my favorite takeaways from this movie is that the MCU, and I, I hope this becomes a thing. I just hope this becomes a thing. Cause it's, it's okay. So in comics, there's kind of a reoccurring thing where there will still always be people that are kind of shocked when someone they know is a super person. They're like, Oh, you have superpowers. And it's like people in this movie found out people were Eternals and they're like, all right, dope. All right, that's cool. Like, that's not to give weird, too much right. away, but Dane Whitman, Kit Harrington's character, finds out that Cersei's an Eternal. And his first question is, 
so you're not a wizard? You can't make me a giraffe? Because I was hoping you'd <laughs> turn me into a giraffe. <laughs> and it's adorable. And it's just, there's multiple kind of like human non-superpowered characters that learn about the Eternals and they're not like shaken to their core and mind blown. They're just like, yo, dope. Well, that makes sense. That guy's Superman. You know what I mean? And it's like, (laughs) I love that because it's a very realistic like take on a world that just got done being ravaged by a man. Like every single person in the world had to have explained to them that a big purple muscly grimace snapped his fingers (laughs) and that's why nona didn't show up to the barbecue you know what i mean (laughs) of course they're not if their third grade teacher comes in and is like kids i just want you to know this is my last day i just got asked to be an avenger and then like bends his desk in half with his thighs you're not gonna be like whoa mr peterson super what you're just gonna be like i knew it you're going to be suspicious of everybody at that point in time. You're going to be like, Derek, why weren't you at the four o'clock meeting? <laughs> you know, there was a fire downtown at four o'clock, Derek. <laughs> Captain America was there. And then <laughs> your person next to you is like, we know Captain America, Steve Rogers. Shut up. There's a new one. Derek. <laughs> What you up to? I was at AA. You know? (laughs) You know, I heard on the police scanners that there's some sort of big arms deal going down at six. Hey, Derek, I'm having a poker game at my house at six. You want to come? And then everyone's like, police scanners don't do that. And you're like, shut up. I'm trying to catch him. (laughs) Sure, I'll come. But I can't drink any beer. <laughs> Poor Derek's just trying to deal with his demons. <laughs> but not like real demons. Just his demons. Anyway, that's my thoughts on Eternals. Final thoughts. I guess I'll just reiterate that I thought these were the most human superhero people. They had flaws. They had simple wants and simple needs. And I thought that was unique. I thought that was really cool. And I'm very excited to see Dane Whitman come back. Oh, we didn't talk about stingers. There's two stingers. We won't spoil them because they're both really important. Yeah. And often we spoil stingers. But there's two. There's one after the first fancy credits. And then there's one after the big overall credits. normal credits. And they're both huge. They introduce so many people. Uh, so many people. So it's exciting. It's exciting to get back to the <laughs> age of stingers that matter and are just people eating shawarma. Final thoughts from me. I really enjoyed how the DC universe is solidified, like solidified as a fictional universe within the Marvel oh, universe. Yeah, they reference both Batman and, and Superman, Superman in this, and it's which I thought was excellent. A nice touch. And yeah. I was like, man, that's just sort of a like big <laughs> middle finger <laughs> DC. Like we claimed you now. <laughs> uh, final final thought is I hope uh, Kingu's chauffeur gets a Disney Plus show. Yes, please. I'll watch the crap out of that. I don't care if it's just him, like, if it's like a Seinfeld-esque show of nothing with him in it, I'll be fine I want it to be a found footage show of him following other superheroes, like, following 
Captain America he gets, Falcon. He starts up a following Ant Man. Yeah. He's hanging around with Bruce Banner, he just starts, trying to like get video footage. Starts up a business as the number one superhero documentarian. That would be great. Be would flawless. Anyway. anyway, guys, that's it. Go out and see Eternals. For me, it's like a three out of five. Uh, if I were to put it on a scale of ten, it would be like a six out of ten. It's just just over passing, but it's good enough, and it's. <laughs> A big, bright new world for the MCU that I think is going to be important. So it's like a five and a half, six if you've got popcorn. Yeah, and it's it's pretty enough that it looks really good on the big screen. Yes. So it's worth like definitely worth know, going in theaters. Sometimes these movies, like not to beat a dead horse, but Black Widow, uh, that one you could wait, catch on streaming or catch on yeah, uh, Blu-ray, but. Uh, this one is definitely spectacle enough that it, it pays to see it on the big screen. So I get agree. out and support your theaters. Uh, that is it for us. If you want other episodes we've done, including other real extras, as well as our normal stuff and other really bonkers, crazy things that we've done in the past, uh, you can find them on coverbpodcast.com. You can also find us on the medias that tend to be social, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. You did them in alphabetical order. Well done. Wow, I did. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> that boy, word magician. <laughs> we'll have more episodes for you later this week and moving forward. And we will see you on the next episode of Cover B. Bye, everybody. Bye.